You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians is such a great book. And the Bible is always really good. I mean, throughout the New Testament especially, but you see it in the Old Testament as well that... <coughs> Excuse me. Um, that the Bible introduces to doctrine, but with doctrine there always comes duty. So the whole point of getting close to God, living for God, it's not just that we learn a bunch of stuff and now we're smart, spiritually smart, smart or something, spiritually smart, uh, but that it's supposed to make a difference in our lives and it's supposed to be, uh, theology should lead to, lead to good shoe leather theology. In other words, it ought to change the way we live. And let me tell you something, God saved us, praise the Lord, and we see the great promises and the great riches that are given to us in chapters 1 and 2 and what God did for us. It talks about how He put us in Him. It talks about how He's gifted us. And one of the reasons, remember, that He saved us, He saved us all for a purpose. He saved us for a purpose that involves being a blessing to one another in the church, building up other believers. Then He also saved us to be a witness to a lost and dying world. Amen. And to me, part of, this, part of the chapter kind of deals with that because it's dealing very practically with the way we live. And these may not be the most exciting verses, but sometimes it's just good to get down to some things about getting down to where we live because we sure do need help. And we also are reminded through all of this that, that our power for living comes through the power of the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us. It is not in us. We've always got to remember that uh, our old sinful self is still our old sinful self, but we have the Holy Ghost of God living on side of us. We've got a new nature, and He's the one that helps to bring to pass uh, what we see here in these verses. And so, just to get the full context, in Ephesians 4, I want to begin reading in verse number 17, and I'll try to read fairly quickly, but I want to emphasize verse 17 because it's what introduces and ties in the last part of this section that we're going to be dealing with. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you walk henceforth not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And I just got to say again, verse 20, you have not so learned Christ. Notice it didn't say you've not so learned about Christ. You've not so learned Christ. In other words, if you're a Christian, you've been getting to know Jesus. You've been getting to know Jesus. Now this is not the way. You didn't learn from Jesus to walk in a way that's not pleasing to God. Verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And I really want to get you to pay attention when we, when we get to those sections that deal with the mind. And we've already mentioned it a couple times in these verses. Renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Just feel like I probably ought to pause right there to make sure that we are all on the same page and have a good understanding of this. The Bible talks about the old man and the new man in these verses. We see this expounded upon in the book of Romans. But 
Is that something that we get? I mean, so I was born into this world. I was born a sinner just like the rest of you were. Um, I've got this sinful nature. Uh, but one day, praise God, I heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but before that time, I was alive in this world physically. Uh, my, my soul was alive. Your soul is basically kind of who you are. Uh, your, your soul speaks of your, your thoughts, your seat of emotions, your, you know, just the person that you are. I was alive in my soul. I was alive in my body. I was physically alive. But the Bible teaches that I was spiritually, and you were spiritually dead. Amen. So there was a part of us that was not able to commune with God. Not, not, there was no connection with God. Not spiritual. So physically we're alive. Our souls are alive. But spiritually speaking, there's a part of us that were dead. But Ephesians chapter 2, when we heard the gospel, we were quickened. When we, uh, when we called on Him for salvation, He brought that spiritual part of us alive. So now we are body, soul, and spirit, not just body and soul. And with a dead spirit, we have a spirit that's alive. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God has taken up residence inside of us. He created, He made a new creature. The Bible says, Wherefore, if any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So He made a new creature out of us. But here's the thing about it. Now, He's made a new nature on the inside of me. How many of you know about that? You get saved, and all of a sudden, man, things change. And I'm not saying that you know, you just become perfect overnight because you don't become perfect over life even, right? I mean, we, and, and that's kind of what we're referring to here. But there's a change. I'll tell you one thing that was interesting. I wanted to know some things about the Bible. I wanted to know some things about salvation. Uh, I had a desire, uh, especially the fact that I was, a ra I was uh, saved in a good church as a teenager, and, and, and I had a desire to know more. There was a difference that God made in my heart and my life. And so, uh, so, so he made a difference there. He brought something alive there. And, and then as I began to grow in Christ, I began to have more and more of a desire to get close to him and, and, and work for him and serve him. But listen to this. All the while that's going on in the new nature, God says that old nature is still hanging around. That old nature is still hanging around. So in spite of my God trying to lead through my spirit, to do, and, and, and it's connected with your mind, Instead of me listening to the Spirit of God speak to my spirit through the Word of God, if I'm not careful, I'll start just going by my old nature. And I can get let pride creep in, or you can let sinful things creep in. But here's the thing about it. that There's a part of us that was made brand new when we were saved by God's grace. But there will always be a part of us until we get to heaven that's that old nature. Do not get the idea... That your old man, as he refers to it here in Romans, he and, and in First Corinthians, he refers to it as the flesh. Don't you get the idea that your old man is one iota better than it was the day before you got saved? Because right. it's not. Because we're not careful. We ain't getting this whole reform idea, you know, and and we're going to do better. And it's about my will and my strength. It's like no, the fact is, my old man is still wicked, desperately wicked. So, everybody on page with that? I mean, on the same page? Yeah. Any questions on that? I just want to make sure. Um, all right. So, renewed in your mind by the Spirit, verse 23, verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which is, at, which is after God created in righteousness, the true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying. So, here we go. 
Hallelujah, we're saved. Amen? Amen. We've been changed. I mean, God's done a work in our lives. But then now the Lord says, okay, now here's the difference. Uh, put away, he said, put off the old man, put on the new man. God does not tell us in our old nature to get our old nature better. He's like, no, the old man's dead. But what we've got to learn to do is we've got to learn to identify with the new man. Where does this take place at? Where do we make the decision to identify with the new man? Joel's pointing right here. In our heads, in our minds. In our minds, I've got to say, you know what? My old nature still wants to do the worst things possible. But God says, that's not who I am. God says, I'm a new creature. God says, I'm a conqueror. God says, I'm an overcomer. So you know what? That's what I'm going with. I'm going with Him. Yes, sir? You could almost say that the old man's like that fun party suit, and the new man's just that uptight and really nice, comfortable business suit. <laughs> okay, you could go with that. Uh, <laughs> you know, but yeah, but you, just however you can envision it. But, but, but the point is that it is, he, he does say to take off, put on. Take off the grave clothes is what we was looking at. So let's, uh, let's, let's look at some of these things that he challenges us on. Starts in verse 25, wherefore put away lying. And of course, we've already uh, looked at a couple of these. Wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. And it's interesting, when he tells us something that we ought not do, he adds to it kind of a reason why. We're members one of another. Don't lie. And remember, lying is a statement that's contrary to fact, comma, not period. A lie is a statement that's contrary to fact, spoken with the intent to deceive. So, you can say something, you know, you can say, oh man, it's beautiful today, it's 56. Evan used to do this when he was younger especially. Dad, you lied, it's 55. (laughs) You know, it's like, well, I wasn't trying to deceive anybody, I just really thought it was 56. You understand, so I, I said something that wasn't true, but I wasn't trying to deceive anybody. I just misspoke or didn't have all the information. So it's not a lie if you say something contrary to fact unless there's the intent to deceive that's involved in that. Um, And so uh, lying, we've already talked about that, so we're not going to go into that again. We talked about anger. Uh, We probably never need to talk about anger. Everybody get their anger fixed after that message we preached on anger? No more problems with that? I'm just kidding. We do have, that's something that we, uh, there's a reason that he warns us as God's people that we got to be careful about these things because uh, we all have this. And one of the things that I, I would like to do is just go through and, and even look at the temperaments on how uh, different, different temperaments display anger differently. Yeah. Not everybody blows up. Some people just smolder, you know. Uh, some people get uh, real passive aggressive. And, uh, you know, always t- taking shots at you while they're in the middle of complimenting you or something, you know, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. What's going on here? Uh, but, uh, but, but, but anger. So he deals with the anger part. And again, uh, we uh, preached a whole message on that just recently. So we're going to go on to the next one. So he says, uh, wherefore, putting away lines, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for remembers one of another. Verse 26, be ye angry. So remember, we're supposed to be angry. We just got to be angry about the right things. And sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. You've heard me mention that verse many, many times. But I wish you'd mark it, underline it, learn it. It's a pretty easy verse. We could probably memorize it right now. Neither give place to the devil. Ephesians 4.27 And 
Again, in the, in the realm of warfare, folks, we are in spiritual warfare. And literally what he's saying right there is don't you give an inch of this ground to the devil. God says, I've given you ground. I've given you a life to succeed in me. Don't give place to the devil. But notice what it says. Neither give place to the devil. You want to know something? The devil can't take a thing from you. The devil cannot take one thing from you. He said, just don't give it. That's how he'll get it if we give it. Don't give it. Don't give it. Um, and that's one thing. I'll tell you something else about anger too. One of the important things about anger, lying, any of these things, is we need to learn to take some responsibility. We are never going to get any help if we're always blaming something or somebody else. Well, you were angry. That's because you was getting on my nerves. Right? What do you expect? You know, uh, oh, well, you, you lied. Yeah, well, that's because you put me on the spot. Okay. Uh, don't take some personal responsibility and say, you know what? You're right. I was wrong. Uh, you're right. And I'm telling you, there's some of it that, that you'd have to practice that in the mirror before you could ever get it out, some of you. And you, I mean, just the thought, just the thought of saying I was wrong just makes you cringe. I mean, uh, it's just bitter. But, uh, uh, but, but, but be, being willing to say, you know what? No, it's nobody's fault. It's my own fault. I will take accountability. I'll take responsibility Amen. for my sin, for my anger. But, but that's what he's saying. Be, uh, let, ne- neither give place to the devil. We allow the devil to get ground in our lives. And remember, I want, I want to emphasize this one more time. At least, where is it that the devil's trying to gain ground at? In your heart, but he starts with your mind. He starts with your mind. Folks, the battle is in your mind. And it's in my mind. It's, it's when I begin to give the devil. And let me tell you something too on this. And we've been talking about spiritual warfare in Sunday school. But when you begin to give the devil ground, he'll sure take it if you give it. And let's be honest. There's a lot of us that have given ground to the devil over the years and some of it we still haven't taken back to this day. God has given us our minds. He's given us this beautiful life. But within that life, there are some strongholds that exist. And that's where a lot of this anger comes from and bitterness and lying and stealing and, and all these different things. There's strongholds. And I want you to know something. Even before you were saved, there can be strongholds in your mind still that you have to go back and revisit. Now, how are we going to be able to identify these strongholds in our Thoughts in our lives. How will we be able to identify those? Pray and what'd you say? Well, if we know they're strongholds, if we're thinking them and they don't align with God's word. Exactly, and that's it. So therefore, I need to be in the Bible and not just oh, you know, uh, uh, oh yeah, I need to get my Bible reading in today. Uh, the Lord spake also unto me, saying, "Okay, help me, Jesus, Amen," and we go on. You know, that's not it. I mean, it's, it's, it's getting in the Word and it's, 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 it's allow, getting into God's Word enough, being in these Bible studies enough, reading books, listening to good, solid Amen. preaching. Amen. Uh, what's that? You've got to be honest about it too. Yes, yes, and that is the challenge. So we've got to come into God's Word and say, okay, God's Word says this, I've been thinking this way. We need, to, we need to get that whole, uh, you know, I know God says this, but. We've got to get that whole mentality out of the system. Yes, sir. First Peter 5, 8, and 9. Yes, read it. Uh, 
Uh, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resisteth steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Bowen's such a great friend. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Whom resists steadfast in the faith. And let me tell you something about the faith. The faith, folks, is the word of God. Our faith is increased through the faith. The faith is the Word of God. So how do we resist Him? We resist Him by the Word of God. Jesus gave us the example. He was tempted in the wilderness. And uh, by the way, let me tell you something about Satan. When he came tempting uh, Jesus, guess what he was using? He was using Scripture out of context. He was using Scripture out of context. The devil knows the Bible. And he came using Scripture out of context. He says, oh, he said... You know, but the Lord's promised you, you know, that if you, uh, that, that if you're to, you know, he'll take you up lest you dash your foot against the stone or whatever. And he's quoting scripture to him, but he's misquoting and he's taken out of context. By the way, let me tell you something when it comes to reading and listening to preachers, listen, just because they're preaching and reading the Bible does not mean they're preaching the Bible necessarily. Amen. Doesn't always mean they're preaching truth. Um, Got to be real careful in this day and age. There's a lot of warnings about that, yeah. but Satan used the Word of God, but Jesus counted with the Word of God in the right context. So here's the thing. Neither give place to the devil. How do I address these places in my life? Let me tell you something. There, is, there really is victory. Mm-hmm. If we're not careful sometimes, we can, we can almost tell people things like, well, you just need to get over it. Mm-hmm. You just need to get over it. Uh, well, maybe you do need to get over it, but there's a way to get over it. It's not just getting over it as in imagining that it's not there, but it's getting over it by saying, you know what, I'm going to go back and revisit this. Lord, I've got this thought process in my mind. And yes, it traces back to maybe years before I was even saved or maybe within the last few years. But God, right now, I'm going to confess this to you. These thoughts are sin. These thoughts are wrong. And the reason I know that is because these thoughts are contrary to your word. It's a lie, and God, I'm declaring right now, I want to believe your truth. And we begin to tear down those walls. And by the way, that's one reason, you know, as far as transparency and everything goes, one thing about transparency, there's a lot less opportunity for walls to be built up. Now, I believe in learning some discretion. In other words, you know, my wife always says, you don't have to tell everything. You know, I just... Uh, and so, but believe it or not, I don't tell everything. Amen. Uh, but I tell a lot, but so, so when I say we need to be open and honest, you know, I mean, uh, we need to use some discretion when it comes to that, but it is really good. If you have somebody, if you have someone in your life that you can say, I mean, you can let it all hang out. You can say, this is what I've been through. This is what I'm struggling with. Because the devil is empowered. Strongholds are empowered Amen. by secrets. Amen. That's good. Strongholds are empowered by secrets. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's really good. It's sometimes a starting point. And man, listen, there's not too, too many people you can trust in this world, is there? So you've got to find somebody you can trust, but that's what it talks about, confessing your faults one to another. Uh, and uh, so that's something that can uh, help there as well. Uh, neither give place to the devil. I'm never going to finish this chapter. None of that's in the notes, all right? Uh, that's what I do. I sit down and I go through my notes and be like, okay, yeah, I should be able to get through this. No problem tonight. And then I get up here and just start preaching. Uh, but I know it's the Lord leading, so it's all right. But uh, verse 28, the Bible says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. See, 
Every one of these gives kind of an antidote. So be angry, sin not. Let not the Son of God come upon your wrath. Don't lie to each other. We're members one of another. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. There was an old um, philosopher that said, to either, if you don't teach your son to work, you're teaching him to steal. No, no, that's not uh, you know, exactly the thing, but uh, let him that stole steal no more. Uh, of course, thou shalt not steal is one of the Ten Commandments. And that's kind of a cool thing that when God gave, when God instituted the right of private property ownership, He instituted also that man would not steal. So the whole idea of stealing is that we can, on the flip side of that, is that we can possess some things. Private property. And the principles that are in God's Word... By the way, man, people want to get the Bible out of schools and government. You know how, you know how foolish that is? Do you realize, and by the way, this is probably some of the reason behind it, if you take the Bible out of our system in the United States of America, it absolutely falls apart. Which, of course, understand that is the goal of many. Uh, because they do want it to fall apart. And, to, and they'll build it again in the image of Mao or Stalin or somebody. But, uh, but, but this, our, our system of government, much of it goes back to the law and including the private property. Stealing was uh, uh, obviously always condemned in God's word. But um, the Bible says that Satan is a murderer. We understand that. But Satan's also a thief. The Bible says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. He turned Judas into a thief, and he would turn us into thieves if we would let him. He tempted Eve, and she became a thief. God said, Don't take that. You ain't got no right to it. She says, I'm taking it anyway. Taking it anyway. And, uh, but, but praise God. Aren't you glad that God saves thieves too? Uh, the Bible says, Jesus, he turned to the thief on the cross and said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So he says that, that let those that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. So that's a great idea. Uh, you know, I, here I am thinking about telling everything, but I'm sitting here thinking better of it, but... But I'm just thinking back when I was a kid and, you know, we grew up by, by, by American standards, we grew up pretty poor. Uh, but man, it was, it was a shame that among some of my peers, we almost had the idea that, and, and looking back on it now, it's so ridiculous and I'm ashamed to even say it, but I'd have the idea that just these people that went out and were, worked, were successful, owned stuff, I felt like they didn't need all that stuff, you know? What right do they have to that stuff? I'm poor, and I can't uh, have any of that. Well, I could have, could have if I wouldn't have quit my job, you know. Uh, but, but, but the point is, sometimes we can get the wrong idea. And in this country, a lot of times, we get the wrong idea about, you know, uh, about stealing, about uh, private property and respecting other people's private property. The Bible actually does say in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Amen. And the idea behind that is, listen, this is not talking about people that aren't able to work. This isn't talking about people that don't have the capability. Uh, I'm glad that we got a system in this country that can help people 
that really are uh, in a place where they cannot provide for themselves. Man, in the, in, in the old days and still in some places, man, then people just become homeless and on the street begging. So I'm glad people like that can get help. But for, for, for well-bodied uh, people that have no excuse, well, they've got plenty of excuses, but don't have a good reason not to work. Uh, listen, the Bible, the Bible is very strong against laziness and slothfulness. Uh, work. Uh, that's what it says. Let, let a man work with his hands. Let him labor. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's funny. I've known a lot of people, man. They, uh, they're kind of holding out for a management position, you know. They, they want a job, but uh, it just reminds me of this one kid when I was in Pierre. Uh, he's a little on the lazy side, and he, he finally got him a job. And uh, I said, man, I said, how's the job going? I said, you, uh, he's like, oh, man, he says, he says, I don't like it. He said, and that boss, he's always telling me what to do. And I'm like, buddy, that's kind of the idea of uh, a boss, you know. Um, but but it's it's interesting here when the Bible uh, is is looking at uh, the, the idea again of private property throughout the Word of God. But it's also interesting how that the Apostle Paul, we know that the Apostle Paul would make tents on the side. He was a tent maker by trade. He was a preacher, but there was times he was able to make tents to help cover the expenses. Uh, when, when he wasn't able to, you know, because he had offerings that would come in, but if he didn't have enough, he would just go work. So um, those that steal, steal no more. Do not justify stealing. Don't justify taking something that don't belong to you. And you're sitting there thinking, preacher, why in the world are you up here telling us not to steal? Don't you think we know better? I do think you know better, but I'm just telling you what God said right here. Amen? He's talking to these Ephesian Christians, and he's saying, don't... He said... Um, <coughs> Guard against sinful anger. Don't lie. Don't steal. And then he goes on to say this. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. So how much corrupt communication is supposed to come out of our mouth? He said let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying. That it may minister grace unto the hearers. Did you know that the mouth and the heart are connected, so to speak? Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so, when you trace the word mouth through the Bible, the Bible's got a lot to say about our speech. But it's interesting in the book of Romans particularly, when you tra trace the word mouth through the book of Romans, you see how Christ makes a difference in a man's speech. The Bible says that the sinner's mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, Romans 3.14. But when he trusts Christ, the Bible says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. As a condemned sinner, the Bible says that the sinner's mouth is stopped before the throne of God, Romans 3.19. But as a believer, his mouth is open to the praise of God. Change the heart, and you can change the speech. Paul certainly knew the difference, for when he was an unsaved rabbi, the Bible says in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, that he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. But when he trusted Christ, a change took place. And I love what it says there. That's, so chapter 9, verse 1 says he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter. Somebody came looking for Paul, and by the time you get to verse number 11... It says, Behold, he prayeth. 
He's, he's done changed his mouth. He's using his mouth for a different uh, principle. He went from uh, praying as in a predator to praying in just one step of faith. The word corrupt is used in uh, Matthew 7, verse 17 and 18, when the Bible talks about, by their fruit you shall know them, corrupt fruit. So Matthew 17, 7, 17 and 18 refers to rotten fruit. It means that which is worthless, bad, or rotten. Our words do not have to be dirty. Or they don't have to be dirty to be worthless. Sometimes we can go along with the crowd and think and and try to impress people with the fact that we are not uh, some kind of spiritual or Puritan people as they think. And so we think we're going to go along. Do you remember Peter? I mean, because if you've ever, have you ever been in a situation where people, here's one of the toughest things we've talked about this years ago, but man, it's tough when somebody, especially in your family or close friend, they look at you since God has changed your life and they look at you and say, yeah, you think you're better than us now. You think you're all that now. And you're like, no, I don't. I don't think I'm better than you. Well, you're always, you're always looking like this, talking like this. You're always going to church. And I don't know about you, but has anybody ever had the temptation just to say something wrong, just to say, I don't think I'm better, see? Hopefully not. (laughs) I've had the temptation and I've never done it, but Peter did. The apostle Peter's out there warming his hands by the fire. I know you, you were with Jesus. Oh, no, I wasn't. Yeah, you know, you've got to be the one. No, I wasn't. And the Bible says he went out, he, he took to cussing. He started cussing and carried on. And so Peter, uh, even Peter allowed this to come out of his mouth. The Bible says um, the appetites of the old life sometimes show up when we, we permit filthy communication. That's Colossians 3.8. Colossians 3.8 warns about filthy communication out of the mouth. Remember that before we were saved, we lived in spiritual death, as we saw in Ephesians 2. Like Lazarus, our personal corruption produced an odor that was not pleasing to God. No wonder the Bible says about us in our lost state, Romans 3.13, their throat is an open sepulcher. Their throat is an open sepulcher. How can we control... Go over to the book of James. And James, man, has a lot to say. It would be interesting if you would just go and study about all that God has to say about the mouth and our words in the Bible. I mean, it is... Uh, just chock full. Proverbs has a ton to say about our speech. Your words matter. James. See if I can find. All right, James chapter 3. <coughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> James 3, 2. Here we go. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Okay, so he's talking about that the, the tongue, just like a bit's in a mouth, and with that bit in this, this powerful Massive horse's mouth, you can turn it about. Your mouth has power to control. Notice what it goes on to say. Behold also the ships, 
which though they be so great, they are driven about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. So in the, the rudder in comparison to the rest of the ship is fairly small. But that's what's going to direct that ship in the way that it ought to go. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. We know that, don't we? Don't take much fire to start a big fire. Uh, and so that's how the tongue is. Verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire of fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Somebody says, man, if we can't tame it, what's the whole point of what you're saying? We, we might not be able to tame it, but I know who one that can. Amen. Amen. If we submit to the Spirit of God, He can tame our tongues. But the tongue, no man can say, verse 9, let me skip down to verse 9. Where, therefore, therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith, curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet and sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree? I mean, it just goes on, but the, the point that I'm trying to make is this. We need to be careful about what we let come out of our mouth. Uh, the Bible says in Colossians 4, 6, that it says to let your speech be always uh, with grace, seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt. And so the, the, the remedy for making sure that we're saying the right things is by making sure our heart is where it ought to be with the Lord. Yeah. What we're full of, you know, whatever container's full of it, when it gets jostled, that's what comes out. And so, may we be, uh, ha ha be filled with goodness and the Word of God and, and let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But notice this, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Now this isn't, again, this isn't just talking about dirty talk and four-letter words. It's not just talking about that. It's talking also about running people down. Running people down. I mean, listen, there, there's something to be said about praying for one another. But I want to tell you this right now. If I've got a problem with you personally, if I'm going to be right with God, I've got one of two things to do. If you've done something wrong that I've got a problem with you, number one, I need to go tell Jesus on you first. Yeah. I need to go tell Jesus on you first. And then sometimes I go tell Jesus and then Jesus says, uh, He's not the problem. You are. Uh, and then I just got to get something right in my heart, and then it's gone after that. Maybe it's something to the extent to where maybe I really do need to come and say, hey, brother, sister, uh, man, I just, can, can I talk to you a second? I, I want to I get things right with you. Maybe I need to go do that. But one thing I tell you is not on that list is this. Ring, ring. Or text, text. You know, let me tell you about so-and-so. Now just pray, because he's an awful person. Just pray because she's such a hag. I mean, she needs Jesus. Uh, I got a prayer request. Pray for so-and-so. Uh, now listen, there's, we can have prayer requests. Don't get me wrong. But I'm telling you, running people down is not edifying anybody. And so, uh, so, so and, and I say that because I, I, had a, I had a family member, God bless her heart, and man, if she didn't love to wear some people out, I'd finally just stop and say, 
uh, we'd be on the phone. I said, I'd finally just stop and say, is, I, said, is this, I said, is this building you up? Because it sure ain't building me up. Let our speech be done to edifying. By the way, that's what edifying means. Build up. Build up. Building up. And I said, it sure ain't. And it sure enough ain't edifying the person you're running down. So who are we edifying? Who's being edified through this speech right now? Um, and so let your speech be done to edifying. Uh, therefore, and so be careful what you say. I can't help it. I was always taught to speak my mind, blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, sometimes we need to use some discretion and say, you know what? I think I'm just going to bite my tongue right now. Think I'm just going to bite my tongue. I'm not going to say uh, what I want to say. And I'm not going to say, I'm not even going to say what I want to say right now. I'm not going to say that either. I'm just not going to say nothing. By the help and grace of God. Now, uh, if, when you talk as much as I talk, uh, you're liable to say some things you ought not say. Now, thank you. <laughs> but the point is, listen, you know what? To me, when I think about these things, when we talk about the sinfulness of the flesh and everything, from, from the very beginning, from the anger, all the way down to what we're talking about now, the, 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 uh, the, the speech part, the things that we say, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is done... But that which is to edifying, uh, to the use of it, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Uh, man, we, people ought to be looking forward to what we got to say. Yeah. People ought not be trying to duck me at Walmart because they're like, oh my gosh. I do not want to speak to Jesse because I know, man, he's going to be coming with some down stuff, man. <laughs> and he's going to be whatever, you know. I mean, I want to be like, man, I wonder what he's got to say today. It's good to see. There, there, there's Because he said, what did he say? That his minister's grace to the hearers. It's a blessing to those that hear you speak. I thank God for the wife that he's given me. She's helped me so much in my life. And uh, we're so different in so many ways. But the th- but that's one of the things that's helped me through the years because sometimes she'll say, Jesse, you don't have to say everything. And again, you know I, uh, I say a lot, but I, I've, I've learned to say, you know what, I'm not going to say that. Um, and, uh, but, but, the, but the fact of the matter is, is that when it comes to any of these sins of the flesh, the fact of the matter is it's not uncommon for a child of God to fail in these. There's a reason he's telling Christian people to avoid these things. Yeah. Because they have problem with these things, all right. But it reminds me of the Nile River. What's what's the what's the uh, what's the big notable thing about there? One of the most notable things about the Nile River, Joel. It flows backwards. Yes, it flows backwards. That river flows north. But what if I told you that the Nile River flows south? What? I wouldn't be lying because it does for I think about two hundred miles. Okay, but you're sitting there saying, okay, yeah, but flows north. It's kind of the thing, you know, it goes north. Uh, it's, it's, it's this huge long river, and you're saying, basically speaking, there's a, there's a small percentage of the time that it flows south, and, but then it goes north again. And so, uh, so here's the thing. Does it flow north or south? We're still going to say it flows north. Why? Because that's what it's most notable for. That's what the, the percentage of, uh, of the, the river does flow north. And that's what I mean with the child of God, okay? Man, we got the old man. We fell. What did the Apostle Paul say in Romans 7? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who should, he's like, man, I'm trying to do the right thing. I end up doing the wrong thing. I'm trying to say the right thing. end up saying the wrong thing. I just struggle. I fell. So do you look at the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul admitted to falling short and sinning. Amen. So when we talk about the Apostle Paul, do we say, yep, 
The Apostle Paul, oh, you mean that real sinful guy that never could get it right? We don't say that about the Apostle Paul because that's not what he was known for. It's not what he was known for. And that's how our lives ought to be. It's not that we're just these prim and perfect and always proper. There's times, man, that we might go south a little bit. But we ought to be known for going north, amen? Amen. With our speech. With our temperaments. Uh, You know, or with our temperance, I should say. With what we ought to be known for north, not the south part. We're going to have that, but it ought to be in such a way in our lives where it makes a difference. The last part I'll just give to you because we did preach this not too long ago. This is important. Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. You ever known somebody sensitive? And I don't mean to, I don't want to do this in an irreverent way when I talk about the Holy Spirit of God, but the Holy Spirit of God is sensitive. If we will submit to the, sense, the, the Spirit of God, He's going to do great things in our life. But if we resist the Spirit of God, we can quench and grieve the Spirit. Yes. Mm-hmm. If we choose, and by the way, we've got a choice. Mm-hmm. If we choose to think the wrong things and feel the wrong things and do the wrong things, the Holy Spirit is grieved. The reason that's such a big deal is we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit of God if we're going to overcome. Because it's not in and of ourselves. But this is good, by the way. Whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Hallelujah! That's a good verse, isn't it? Sealed until the day of redemption. When's that? When I get home? When either the Lord comes back or I die? Hallelujah. I am sealed to the day of redemption. Uh, And then verse 3, This we we preached on anger not long ago, so I'll just give this to you. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why does he say we have to forgive one another? Joel? Without forgiveness, there's a lot of anger. That's right. And you know something else I'm thinking too, just going back to the root of that? That we're doing, that that we must be offending each other sometimes. We must be offending each other from time to time. We didn't didn't maybe live up to what we were going to do. Maybe we weren't there. Maybe we said we were going to do something, forgot, didn't do it. You know what, man? We got to forgive one another. We got to give each other the benefit of the doubt. And by the way, I've said this before, when it comes to giving people the benefit of the doubt, just because, see, there's the, the, the thing about not judging is it's not, it's not about not judging that's the wrong thing. It's when we start judging people's motives that we've got to be careful of. You know, Dan says, hey, I'll call you tomorrow. Okay, great, you know. Dan, don't call me tomorrow. Then I say, I bet I know why Dan didn't call me. I bet I know. I, I know. I know what he was doing. I know what she meant. I know what she meant. I know what they were saying. I know, you know, shut up, you dummy. You're just playing. I, 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 didn't, I should have used a more theological way to put that, but we're giving place to the devil when we all of a sudden know why so-and-so didn't shake my hand and speak to me and, and all this stuff. No, don't do that. That may be the case, but we don't really know that. So why can't we just go the other way? Probably forgot. Probably forgot. Well, what if, what, what if Dan really, what if it really was what you were thinking? So what? I'm just going to give him benefit of the doubt and figure it was probably. And why didn't you call me? No, I'm just kidding. He wasn't supposed to call me. But I'm just going to say, you know what? Nope, not a big deal. You know, he probably got busy things. So be careful about all this stuff you know. I know what you meant, husbands and wives. I know what you meant when you looked at me like that. Really? I struggle with that. My wife's got a beautiful face. Um, even saying something, man. I mean, it's just like. But it, it enters into all these places of life. Be kind to but but the thing is, is we are going to sometimes hurt one another. Yeah. We just are. Hey, this is church, and by God's grace, we want to, uh, you know, 
man, we, we want to strive and endeavor to keep unity and peace among each other, right? To keep things right, to keep things straight um, by the grace of God. But I'm telling you right now, uh, somebody in here is going to get on your nerves. I don't know who she's amening about. I bet she has somebody in mind. Uh, somebody in here is going to get on your nerves. Uh, somebody in here is going to do something wrong. Amen. It's just going to happen. And, and, and when it does, and when you get hurt, I mean, listen, it's one thing now if somebody, I mean, there's some ugly people out there. I understand that. But, no, I mean, like, I mean, there's some people that are just out to hurt people, okay? That's what I mean. Not ugly, I mean, like that, okay? Uh, there's some people out there that don't, that are out just to hurt people. But by God's grace, man, that's nobody in here, amen? This is people that are trying to uh, work for the Lord and strive for Him, amen? 